encourage you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. We were there just a few weeks ago with Brother Gary. We're going to be looking a little differently today. We live in a world that seems the opposite to the creation of God that we looked at last week. Agreed? A world that was built by God, it culminated in the creation of man and woman in the image of God. The purpose of this, as we spoke about, was God extending His love toward us. Yet we look around us and what do we see? We see hatred. We see war. And it's not just the people. We also see it in the created earth as well. Just this year in the United States, not the rest of the world, just the United States, there have been 23 weather events that have cost over a billion dollars. And probably what just flooded in Brooklyn will we'll take that up to 24. We see how humans treat each other. We see the physical world is chaotic. And even our own bodies are in chaos. More than just the breakdown through age, we see disease. Uh, 610,000 people are estimated to die in the United States this year of some form of cancer. You add to that heart disease and diabetes and on and on it goes. What happened to the perfect creation of God that we read about last week? It appears to be gone in all areas of life. And that is correct. It is gone in all areas of life. And as we look at God's eternal plan, we come today to the stage of corruption. The stage of corruption. We didn't, God didn't desire corruption to come, but He did know that it would occur. God could have easily created each and every one of us to fully obey Him and to fully love Him, but that really wouldn't be love or obedience, would it? We would just be robots. No will of our own. So God gave us the ability to reason, and He gave us the ability to make decisions, and in doing so, we'll see today that man corrupted himself, and with that, the world around him. We find ourselves in Genesis chapter 3. We'll read the first 19 verses. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord, Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. 
And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou, not eat, hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. It, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we look at this, the corruption that was brought into the world through sin, I ask you now to open our hearts to what you would have us to learn from this today that we would see your mercy and your grace that was given to man, even though we sin. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. We find here this common portion of Scripture to some of you here today, but I encourage you as we go through this, don't allow the familiarity to blind you to what God has for you. Now, there might be others here today. This is the first time you've read this or first time you've heard this read. And I want you to see how this frames the world you see around you. What we read there, see how it frames the world around you and finally allows you to understand what's going on and allows it to make sense. We see first here the corruption by man. The corruption by man. We're not told how much time is between Genesis 1 and 2 and Genesis 3, but we know some time has gone on there, and Adam and Eve have been tending the garden as they were instructed to by the Lord. It is then the fallen angel, Satan, the accuser, approached Eve. And we see as he comes to her in the subtlety of the person that he is. Verse 1 tells us that Satan came to Eve in a serpent. Now, don't get hung up on that, because the Lord also allowed a donkey named Balaam's donkey, I'm sorry, to talk to him. The serpent will, will go on from here to symbolize, as you think of a snake, you instantly symbolize the sin and deception throughout the Bible. People don't like snakes typically for that reason. Now, some of you have snakes and you're messed up, all right? It's, all right. You heard me, all right, brother. I know he's got one back there. It hid in his house for like a week. Didn't even know where it was. You're crazy. But you knew that, though, right? All right, very good. So what we have here is this high-ranking angel of the Lord. As we go through the Word of God, Isaiah 14, 13, tells us that Satan, in, in his pride, attempted to usurp the Lord. It says, For thou hast said in thine heart, speaking of Satan, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Listen here. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And in this 
In this pride of his, the Lord casts him down. And a third of the angels go with him in this rebellion. And they're cast out of heaven. And in this, Satan's hatred toward God is now knowing what his final demise is going to be. He desires to cause corruption in God's creation. And he goes to man. Now, why would God allow this? Well, once again, real love and obedience on our part is a decision. We're not hardwired to just follow we, it, is, it is upon our love and obedience to the Lord. And the Lord allowed this to occur. We'll have to ask Him why the details of that, but we see here He does allow it. And we see Satan's subtlety here. The first thing He does is He comes to her, and in verse 1, uh, he, he approaches Eve. He approaches Eve and not Adam. And we're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. We're in 1 Corinthians 11 tonight that talks about the two genders. But we see here the heart versus the mind. The, the woman is ruled more by her heart and where the, Adam is ruled more by his mind. And he comes to her and it sort of reverses what's going on here. And he first plants a seed of doubt. He says, Yea, hath God said... Yea, hath God said, did, did God really say that? And if the enemy can get you doubting God's word, it's not just Eve, it's with any of us. If, 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 the, if Satan can get us doubting God's word, you've already started down a dangerous path in life. See, truth has nothing to hide. The word of God has nothing to hide. So examining God's word and, and truly asking God to give you an understanding and clarity is quite different than doubting God's intentions. And that's what Satan gets her doing here. He's doubting God's word. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from thee. Draw nigh to God. So resist the devil, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. We're instructed over and over again to resist the devil. In 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, he tells us that Satan is like a roaring lion and he seeks to devour us. And we're told to resist him once again and to stay steadfast in our faith. So the first tactic is to cause doubting to get into your, into your mind and it puts you on your heels a little bit, does it not? And then he comes back with the next thing in verse 4. He says, "Ye shall not surely die. And we see here the first lie in the Word of God. And this doesn't get any bigger than this one, does it? You shall not surely die. It's an outright lie. And then he follows it up with a half-truth in verse 5 when he says, For God doth know, he's accusing God, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And it's a half-truth because there is truth to this. But now we're on the other side of this, when sin occurs. It's true that when, when they took of the tree, that their eyes were opened. That's true. They knew good and evil. But they would now be looking at it from the different side of evil, where they were looking from the good at the beginning at what evil could be. When they were in this paradise that God had given, they were in good and seeing what evil could be. Now that they've sinned, now that they've disobeyed, now they're looking from evil at what good could be in their life. And that's quite different. They knew the difference still, but now they're looking from the wrong angle. John calls this, in 1 John 2.16, uh, looking at verse 6, when Eve looked at that, it says, 
that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and desired to make one wise. John calls this in 1 John 2.16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It was good for food, the lust of the flesh. It was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. It was desired to make one wise, that pride of life. Look at me, look at me. And it says she took of it, and she ate it, and she gave it to Adam as well. Verse 7, the result is the eyes of both of them were opened. God wanted Adam to know what the good is and what the evil would be, but instead now they would discover what evil was and what good would be if they would have stayed there. It is at this moment corruption occurred. The perfection of creation was now marred. At that point of sin that we see corruption occur, innocence of mankind was lost. Your innocence was lost at that point. And we seize the sin of Adam. Adam becomes the original sinner. Why not Eve? The Bible tells us that he is the head of the human race and he was the one that was responsible. And it says that she was deceived, but he was responsible. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression, 1 Timothy tells us. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, you, me, your children, your grandchildren, for that all have sinned. Look what Adam does. As a result of this, what does he do? He does the same thing that you and I do today. The first thing in verse 7 is he hides his nakedness. He didn't even know he was naked before. There was an innocence there. As a, as a child that runs around without a diaper and doesn't, doesn't have a clue of, their, of them being naked. And they realized they were naked because their innocence was gone. And what do they try to do? They covered it up. They tried to cover it up. Like a little kid that just did something that they knew they weren't supposed to do, and they try to cover it up or they try to fix it. You ever do that? Oh yeah, maybe this week. Well, I don't want my wife to find out that. I'll just throw that in the trash can. She'll never know, right? I'm talking completely fictitious here. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but she tried to, he tried to cover it up, and yet we try to do this in our lives today. Every man-made religion in this world is nothing more than a picture of Adam trying to cover up his sin. We try to clothe ourselves with all kinds of things. Maybe we don't, wouldn't call it a religion. We try to cover it up with education. We try to cover it up with doing many great deeds in our society. We see religions full of rituals and sacrifices. And all of those are man-made just trying to cover up the sin that we have. Maybe you've spent your life doing wonderful good deeds, hoping that one day the balance would, would pan out for you. That's not how it works. The Lord is not looking because we cannot cover our sin. It is only through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can't fix it on our own. So he, he hides his nakedness and then he hides himself. In verse 8, he, he hides himself when he hears God walking. 
When Adam sinned, it, it instantly separated us from God. Mankind was initially it was there with the Lord, and now we are separated forever from the Lord without Jesus Christ. We don't start from a spot of purity. When you were born, you did not start from a spot of purity and then went to a spot of sin. No, you were born in sin. All mankind is born in sin. One of the results of this is that we think we can hide from the sin of our, our sin from God. You might think all week long you've been doing something and you can hide that away or you did something years ago and you thought you could hide it away. God sees it. The people around you might not, but the Lord does. Psalm 69.5 says, Oh God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from thee. How foolish on our part to think that the all-knowing God, the all-seeing God, that we can hide something from him. That's foolishness on our part. No more than Adam as a, looking as a, as a young child trying to hide from his parents. If you think whatever you're doing in privacy, incognito, is hidden, you're fooling yourself. Our life is an open book to the Lord. Yours, mine, all that have ever lived. We're no different than Adam. And we have the same problem as Adam. We're repeating Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now this is more than just physical death. See, we enter this world and there is spiritual death that has occurred. Separated from God. No way to heaven on our own. But I want you to see, this is talking about God's eternal plan. And through God's eternal plan, it was not stopped by Satan's scheme of hatred toward the Lord. It was not, it was not halter, altered by God's, uh, the scheme of God's creation and Adam's sin stifling that. Not at all. See, when we saw the corruption by man, now we're going to see something else. We're going to see the redemption by God. And this is beautiful in this verse, because if you were just to read the Bible for the first time, and maybe that's you today, you've never read any portions of the Bible except maybe what we started with last week, and you read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and the only thing you know about the Lord right now are the attributes of His creation that we saw in chapters 1 and 2. You don't know about His love. You don't know about His redemptive power that He, that he sheds upon us. But we start to see it here in Genesis chapter 3. This is a beautiful thing as he introduces God's holiness, his purity, and how he deals with sin. But then his grace, his loving, redemptive heart toward all of us. We see God's holiness dealing with sin first. In verses 17 through eight, 16 through 18 there, God is holy. He's just. He is pure. And sin must be dealt with. Sin must be dealt with or mankind would become just a horrible creature. It has to be, as if, or he is not a holy God anymore. So God delivers here five judgments upon the parties involved in this. First we see, we'll do these verses a little out of order, but first we see man and woman. Man is now given a hard work Job says, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. 
The woman would have pain in childbirth and the headship of her husband. And then verse 18, it tells us there thorns also and thistles shall bring forth to, the earth, to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Now this is interesting. Because of Adam's sin, nature changed. That's weird. It didn't just affect the people. It affected the world they lived in. Sin, sin affected all of creation. In Romans 8, 21, it says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into a glorious liberty of the children of God. Now listen to this. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. That's speaking about the, the ground we're walking on. The earth itself travaileth, it groans. Why do we have chaos in the world? Why do we have fires and floods and droughts and on and on it goes? Because sin set this in motion. The sin of corruption set this in motion. I would dare say that the law of thermodynamics, uh, uh, the second law of, of, of entropy was probably not in place until then. What's that? That things go from order to disorder. Your body. A fourth grade Sunday school class when the teacher leaves. Right? Order to disorder. And we and this world are now winding down. We're running out of gas because of corruption. Psalm 102.26 says that we're like a garment that's getting old. We're falling apart. God didn't cause this pain and disease. This was the result of man's sin corrupting creation. And then we see what he says to the serpent and unto Satan in verses 14 and 15. Change the nature of the animal, the serpent. And then verse 15 is more than just speaking of the snake. This is speaking to Satan himself. This is probably the, what I would call the first gospel promise made to man. It says two things here. Thou shalt bruise his heel. Speaking what Satan would do to Jesus Christ. This speaks of Jesus' crucifixion. When Satan felt like he won, he bruised his heel though. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded, that's Jesus, for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. But it doesn't end there. It says, thou shalt bruise his heel, it shall bruise thy head. This speaks of Jesus Christ's resurrection, crushing Satan's scheme and freeing us from sin when we place our trust in Jesus Christ. So we see, we see how God dealt with sin, and now we see then how it leads to God's grace dealing with us as sinners. You may be sitting here today, and based on how you've been raised or what you've seen or heard, you think that God's up there in heaven just waiting to pound you anytime you make a mistake. That is not what we see in the Word of God. Amen, that is not what we see in the Word of God. Now, granted, there is a penalty for sin, and we'll look at how God treated Adam 
though here with loving grace. What does, it, what does God do here? We see first that God is seeking Adam in verse 9. God always works this way. Don't miss this. God always works this way. It might seem insignificant, but it is not. Adam didn't go looking for God. He was hiding. He was hiding in the trees, hoping God would just walk right by. But God came looking for him, knowing full well that what he had done. He asked him a question, but he knew what he had done. He just wanted Adam to acknowledge what he had done. Luke 9.10 tells us, For the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, has come to what? Seek and to save that which was lost. That's you and that's me. God took the first steps toward Adam. And God, was take, and God has taken the first steps toward you to reconcile you to himself. It's, it is in verse 15 we see the beginnings of this promise. The promising of a Savior. So he was seeking Adam. And then we see he clothes Adam. In verse 21... Watch this picture. We just spent the entire uh, spring talking about the sacrifices in the, in the Old Testament. And we see here the promised one, uh, this picture of the promised one that's come to save us. This is the first time an innocent animal was killed to clothe man. The innocent dying for the guilty. That's what's going on here. It's a picture it's the first example of many, many that we're going to see in the Word of God. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, His resurrection. So let's put this together. Adam and Eve... Falling for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, sin entered. It entered their life, it entered the bloodline of man, corrupting us, corrupting the world around us. And this sin brought death and corruption on all. So, what are we to do? What do we do in that situation? We are to look to Jesus who died in our place. Jesus, the one tempted like Adam and Eve. When he went into the wilderness and Satan came to him, the same three temptations were brought to him. And he didn't fall for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. He was able to withstand that. Jesus, the one then that was bruised for our iniquity when he was crucified on the cross, but he rose again, and in that reversing the curse of sin, crushing the serpent's head. Greg's song, the first verse read this, Christ the true and better Adam, Son of God and Son of Man, who when tempted in the garden, neither yielded, neither sinned. He who makes the many righteous brings us back to life again. Dying, he reversed the curse. Then rising, crushed the serpent's head. God's eternal plan continues only when we turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. That is the only the way the eternal plan continues in this world is when we turn to Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? 
Have you placed your faith in him? That is the way to stay on God's eternal plan for life. Romans tells us in in chapter 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But it goes on. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth is made, his confession is made unto salvation. Have you done that today? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Friend, if you are a sinner, if you are a, a Christian today, and you have lost sight of what our sin has done, as we've put our, placed our faith in Jesus Christ, may we continue to see and not run from Him, that continue to seek after Him in our life and allow Him to purify us and to, and to sanctify our life as we, grow, as we grow in our faith. If you would bow your heads at this time, we're going to ask our singers to come, and we come to what we call a time of invitation. We have an altar up here that we would uh, love for you to come and pray. Any burden that's on your heart, the Lord will, you can pray here and there will be people that can pray with you. If there's any that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior today, just come and speak to one of our altar workers and say, I want to know Christ as my Savior. And they'll open the Word of God with you and explain in more detail of what I've talked about. Maybe this is a church you'd like to be part of. Or you need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. All of these things. Please take care of them as we come to this time of invitation. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for those in attendance today and those maybe watching online now or later. That you would just draw them to you if they don't know Christ as their Savior. I ask you to be with us as Christians that we would see what you did for us by sending your Son. You could have left us in that sin and just destroyed us. But you loved us not just creating us, but then you made a way of escape after we corrupted what you did, what you'd made for us. Be with us now, and in Jesus' name, amen.